he sucks and he'll always suck. Welcome to it's draft week, Mike. It is here. It is is finally here. It's taken forever. Um, I cannot believe that how long it's taken. I feel like this is, I don't know if it's because I've been locked in my house or what, but I feel like this has been the longest to draft that I've ever had to wait. It it seems both too long and too short somehow. I I don't know how that's possible, but that's, that's kind of what it feels like. Really time is just a construct right now. So, yeah. So, you know, we're going to, we're doing a live draft show every week. Uh, we're going to try to keep it to 20 to 30 minutes and try to get it, um, you know, informative, as informative as possible, as fun as possible. Um, we're right now, we are testing the video feed uh, for via Periscope and everything. And uh, for in preparation for tonight, when we have Justin Mello of DraftWire Music City Miracles, uh, at Justin M underscore NFL.com. Um, he is going to be joining us uh, to do a live mock draft with Lebowski. Uh, if you are able to join in, you'll join in. But uh, we, I had to learn a totally new software last night when yeah. uh, Twitter decided that, hey, uh, we're not going to really put in all the details of our live video because it's audio only if you have a guest on the live video. Yeah, that's that's really strange. Get your you shit together, Twitter. Come on. But that's uh the the live shows are going to be exciting. It'll be fun. We'll have different guests, and uh, hopefully, I'll be be able to be a part of some of them. But with my schedule, uh, who knows right now? So. Yeah, we're already having problems. Your audio is not sh- c- coming on the uh, Periscope feed. <laughs> oh, it's not coming through. Hmm. So we'll fix that later. I'll try to figure that out later. Uh, until then, it uh, doesn't really matter, I guess, because this is all audio and audio format and everything. So let's start with talking about um, the rankings by needs, because we have two completely different rankings. Yeah. Um, so I guess the... Need is such a difficult thing to really, I guess, nail down. And it's not the one thing I think we should be clear about from the start is that it's not kind of necessarily the the be all end all. Like just because your biggest need is, you know, in my opinion, cornerback does not mean you have to take a cornerback in the first round. Like it's kind of, you've got, you can't just go best player available. I, I don't really believe that anybody's actually just going best player available um because need does have to inform your draft decisions to some degree but you're also not just going down your shopping list of needs and filling it with all right this is my biggest need so this is my pick at 29 this is my second biggest need so this is my pick at 61 like it, that's not how it should be it should be based on value you know who is available that fits a need um and who can you get later on at a position so it, it, i think need versus order of picks isn't always going to line up exactly, but, but need is important to understand. 
So rank your your top five positions you think need to be filled, I guess. So I, I've got corner is, is pretty much the clear number one. Um, I would say offensive line. I'm not going to necessarily – I think you'd prefer a tackle, um, but I'm not necessarily going to rule out um, an interior offensive lineman either, so I'm just going to lump those together as one. Um, so cornerback, offensive line. Uh, I'd go running back, uh, wide receiver, defensive line. Yeah, I think it's weird that defensive line is last on your list uh, because mine is cornerback, defensive line, running back, inside linebacker, and wide receiver. So we kind of differ for like the first time and heading into the draft that we actually don't agree. Why do you have d- defensive line so low? Are you part of the Paul Karski camp that feels like, oh, this uh, who who's that uh, guy from uh, Atlanta that we signed for the defensive uh, line? Jack Crawford. Yeah, you think he's he's the answer? He's the KC replacement. We just don't need a defensive lineman on that's good. I, th- I think Crawford is not a, a good player, but I think he's a guy that can take snaps for you. And I just don't think there's going to be that many snaps that they have to fill right away. I mean. Well, we know they only have students. two starting defensive linemen. He's a starter, right? I mean, no, no because I mean, who's really starting? There's only two starting defensive linemen. I mean, in all in all seriousness, there's only two defensive linemen on the field in on probably seventy percent of snaps for the Titans. So I'm gonna fact check know. that. So you better if hope you're right because I'm fact checking. If you want to call, you know, the base defense, the starting defense, then sure. Um, you know, there's three starters technically, but I, I think in nickel fronts, you're looking at two guys and then two outside linebackers that are kicking down as defensive ends. Uh, most of the time, that on your most important downs, those would be that's who that who that is who is on the field. And Daquan Jones and Jeffrey Simmons are solid starters. Crawford is an acceptable rotational guy. Um, you don't have a ton behind that, but I mean Matt Dickerson and Khalil or Isaiah Mack, I wish it was Khalil Mack, uh, are guys that you can put on the field and not feel like it's a total disaster. I don't know. I feel better about the defensive line depth than I think most people do. I think that's a that's a little weird. Like if if you're <laughs> wanting, first off, Clowney isn't guaranteed, right? Well, I do think Clowney figures into this too because if Clowney is a a guy that they're going to end up adding. I think he is not directly going to play defensive line, but I think he does change the equation with the defensive line because you have another disruptor that can play inside, especially on passing down. So I think Clowney, if we are assuming that Clowney is really a guy that they are, they kind of have earmarked and are maybe kind of wink, wink, not nodding until the Tuesday after the draft so that he doesn't come counting as the conflict formula, then uh, I think that even pushes the defensive line need down further. Yeah, I mean, Clowney being there would definitely help. But obviously, with the way that our interviews have looked and everything, I'm not saying that Clowney's gone, but I think they're doing they're being better safe than sorry than having to rely on Clowney at this point. Um, so I'm moving forward like there is no Clowney. So yeah, I, I think that's probably how they have to draft unless they have like a really, really, I mean, it's gotta be like an ironclad deal with him. Um, 
which there's no way to really have until the ink is dry and the contract is submitted to the league, which they don't want to have happen until after the draft anyway. So, so no running backs either on your top five. I had running back in there, didn't Did I? Did you? Well, your text didn't, and I kind of was messing uh, around yeah. while you were talking. So, so. so I've, I've waffled back and forth on quarterback versus running back. Is the old Waffle House over here. Because I think, I do think quarterback, having a backup quarterback is extremely valuable. Um, that is able to get you through a few games. Like, I, I'm not saying, you know, obviously, Cannon Hill is the guy. Uh, for the next probably three years minimum, um, barring something crazy happening or, or him just getting Alex Smith or something like that. Um, I think he's your guy, but if he does go down, like let's say he has a bad sprained ankle or he, you know, has something happen where he's out four or five games, you need somebody that's going to be able to get you through and not have those be like four or five automatic L's. Um, and I think having a, a good backup quarterback can do that. Like we saw with Teddy Bridgewater in the Saints this year. Um, I, I, I think I, I'm going to waffle again. I'm going to say quarterback <laughs> over running back is, as the bigger need because the running backs, I feel like you can get them done. doesn't, you know, we, we've all seen the value of what running backs do, especially when you're looking for a number two running back, not a number one. Well, let me play devil's advocate, man. You know that I've been on the Derrick Henry's going to sign a long-term deal. Yes. Is this not the running back class to maybe spend some draft capital on a running back because of technically then maybe that it puts a little bit more on the pressure on Derrick Henry not to re- to to maybe take less money because you can find a comp- not only can you find a complimentary back, but there are a couple of backs that do everything that Derrick Henry can do and do the third down uh, stuff. So, I mean, I, like Cam Akers comes to mind, uh, Clyde's Edwards Hilaire. Sure, they're not the freak of nature that Derrick Henry is, and they don't have the experience so far that Derrick Henry has. But, you know, I'm just thinking that maybe it could be a little bit of a time to go ahead and just snag a running back. Yeah, um, I think that's a, a good point. The... Uh... Running back class is a good one, and I, I like the running back class quite a bit. Um, I think. Sorry. Oh, what was that? It's uh, my other computer. Yeah. <laughs> we are supposed to be your only computer in the uh, open in the mornings, Mike. <laughs> All right, there we go. Um, so the uh, running back class is really good. Um, I like probably seven or eight of those guys um, to be either either starters, guys that could be three down starters, or uh, at least complementary guys uh, that you could put with Henry and, and kind of have a one-two punch. And maybe that guy could, could grow into more of a three down role. Um, but yeah, I, I do like the running back class. I don't mind spending a pick there. I, I just guess... I guess if all, and that's why I kind of posted that Cam Akers, Jalen Hurts hypothetical uh, on Twitter um, this weekend was, you know, if you had a guy that you really liked at quarterback and you had a guy that you really liked at running back sitting there and you're, you're saying you don't like the value at all. Let's just say you don't like the value at all the other positions, which guy is more valuable 
for you, and I think it hurts, honestly. I, no, I think it, you are completely wrong. Because it's if I, it's talking about value and what matters to the team, your your immediate impact comes from Cam Akers. He's a he's a technically a second string running back that can fill in for anything. And I mean, he'll have a major be, role. He's gonna contribute more game to game, but I I mean how many games is he going to take over? The uh, probably a lot if you've seen his speed and the oh. way he could break away, break from tackles and stuff. I mean, I, I, I don't know that he's winning a lot of games. I well, he, I, listen, he, does he have a better chance to win more games than Jalen Hurts does sitting his ass on the bench? Well, if Jalen, if the ideal situation is Jalen Hurts doesn't have to play, but what right. if, like I said, so that's not a good value if he's not playing. <laughs> it's not what good if Brian Tannehill goes down for four games? Are you ready to take the zero and four with? Woodside and basically punt on the season or no I mean listen Logan Woodside first off is actually pretty good and unlike other previous okay. Titans quarterbacks he's already practicing with some Titans wide receivers we, and pass catchers we don't catchers. know anything about him at, at, at an NFL level <laughs> oh yeah we do we yeah he's good he's good listen <laughs> I'm just saying that if you're by drafting Jalen first off you're wanting Yes, it is a good security blanket to have, if he's good. I mean, that's the bigger if. To me, that's another thing, is that is he going to be good at the pro level and with the shortened offseason rate? What's going to be easier for someone to be ready, being quarterback and running an offense in the shortened offseason, or is it going to be running back with Cam Akers? I, I have to go with, there's just so many that, that, there's so many pros with Cam Akers and the one pro for Jalen is, okay, he may be better than Logan Woodside if T Ryan Tannehill goes down, but Logan Woodside has more experience in the offense. So I don't know. I mean, that's kind of how I look at it. I look at who can help us. We're a Super Bowl winning team. Worrying about if 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 we if he goes down, Jalen Hurts is not going to take us to the Super Bowl, right? So we're we're kind of screwed either yeah, way. Not going to take you to the Super Bowl, but he could get you through a few games and get. I get I think Logan Woodside could get you through a few games, to, and at just as much as Jalen Hurts does, because Jalen Hurts is an unknown. Oh, I mean, Woodside is a total unknown. Well, we so is Jalen. I mean, Jalen has no experience in this offense. This isn't a Lincoln Riley offense. No experience in this offense. Well, that's fine. But that's not fine. <laughs> that's not. We we are more qualified to go and run that offense than Jalen Hurts is right now because no, we are. Yeah, yeah. because <laughs> Jalen has no clue what's going on. He's a smart smart dude. He's a good teammate. What did he, he score on the Wonderlick, Mike? Do you know? I don't. Well, know. Then you don't, don't know don't if he's smart it. because that's how you determine who is smart and who is not is the Wonderlick <laughs> test. So you don't he know if he's smart or not. Yeah. So you don't know. You don't know. Well, you've been puzzling, so that's why you think that, that your uh, your Wonderlick scores are, are all important. Yeah. I mean, I'm a, I'm a puzzle master. Okay. So we also I don't have offensive line on my list. You don't have it at all on your list. No. It's why deep. not? We got Super Bowl champion Jamil Douglas. <laughs> Jamil Douglas is not good. Yeah. Jamil oh, he's good. And then we have, um, I mean, I mean, offense. Uh, can, I look at it this way. I think that it's it's pretty deep. We did sign Ty Cimbarella. We don't have a bunch of people that are um, 
I really just got this big uh, thing that says that our thing ends in 10 minutes and I have no clue how to change uh, <laughs> how to uh, get more time. Um, oh, here, I'll just do this. Uh, anyway, back to what we were talking about. The um, I, I think we're pretty deep on the offensive line, deep enough to cover, I think, to cover us a few games to go back and use uh, your... Um, whatchamacallit, your hypothetical. your hypothetical. I think we're just as good here as we are anywhere else. Um, so I, I think that we're fine. Uh, I think that inside linebacker is a little bit thin, and that's something that we'll get into a little bit later, some prospects and stuff. But let's talk a little bit about wide receiver. What kind of wide receiver are you looking to get? Hang on, I, I got I can't I can't let you brush off the offensive line. Oh, bags. okay. Because Jamil Douglas is bad. Uh, Dennis Kelly, I think, is going to be okay as a starter uh, at right tackle. I think he can step in and be okay. Um, I don't think he's going to be as good as Conklin, but you know, I can understand why they would want to save some money there, um, given that the drop off isn't probably that huge. Um, but then Sambrello sure could be a swing tackle, but you could do a whole lot better. And a lot of these guys, you're looking at Dennis Kelly is 30. Um, uh, I'm blanking on his name now. Uh, Saffold um, is 31, I think. Uh, Ben Jones is about to turn 30. You're getting a little bit older at some spots on the offensive line. Uh, I think you could certainly stand to... Well, you could go into the season today with kind of the, I guess, the top seven that they've got right now and be okay. Um, I think you could do a lot better, and I think that's one of those positions where you would love to get a guy in a year before you need him so that you're not having to start a rookie offensive lineman like we saw Nate Davis um, last year struggle mightily. Uh, I think you could avoid some of that rookie offensive line struggle if you can get a guy in a year early and kind of get him working and training and and by the time he's in his second year maybe he is ready to take over for a Dennis Kelly or um, start to take over for a Ben Jones or something like that. Um, so so you're just wanting to draft a bunch of backups. <laughs> no, I, I, I mean it's what it sounds like. But this is how you build a you know the depth of a but you, you but you don't you build the depth of the roster while ignoring the major holes that are there. I mean, I feel like you're you're but ignoring the holes. Major holes. I mean, that corner. Was, I well, we we agree on cornerback. You yeah. have definitely ignored defensive line, and I think that you're downplaying the second running back. I mean, it's kind of a downplay, and I, I feel like. I mean, you can find running backs. I I mean you can, but I mean. They got to be able to be good. I mean, heck, we all thought Deion Lewis was going to be good, so we gotta we gotta kind of hit on the second running, second down or third down running back. I feel like I feel like we are missing that element from our offense. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. I just I think that's probably a day three guy, um, more likely than a day one or day two. Okay, so. I, I think that offensive line isn't that that big of a deal right now. I feel like it's it's good enough that I, I now I do think that they will address offensive line. I think that a Cameron Clark or someone like that maybe you know uh, someone to bring up slowly. 
Um, so let's talk about a little bit about prospect meetings. Uh, cornerback, defensive line, and edge are kind of dominating. So it's defense is dominating. I think we're up to 95 um, different kind of uh, prospect meetings. So what are your thoughts on the prospect meetings, what they mean? Um, I've, I've come to find out from speaking to a few people that um, the meetings for the Senior Bowl and Shrine game are more important, according to Teron Davenport, are more important because the way the Combine changed their process. So these actually matter. So we have we interviewed two QBs at those games. Um, we have a couple defensive tackles, offensive tackles, edges. So I I've had I've shared the list a couple of times. What are your main takeaways from that list? Um, I, I do think, like you said, they're looking at the defense um, more so than I think the the offense. Um, I think you can see the range of quarterbacks that they're looking at it are probably more of your day three kind of developmental guys than your, your early picks um, as far as like a, a stash and develop backup. Cause I, I still see some people talking about, you know, they should take Jordan love in the first, if he's there and, and stuff like that. And, you know, I can kind of understand that, but I don't think that's how they're approaching it. Um, so, yeah, I think, I think it kind of tells us that defense is the side of the ball to watch, which makes total sense because the offense is in pretty good shape in general. Uh, you could use depth at pretty much every place on offense, but you're starting 11. We know what those 11 players are today. Um, that's not necessarily true on defense. Yeah, that was my thing is that it's defense heavy, and but when you think about it, we're returning 10 technically 11 of 12 or 10 of 11 starters on our offense. And technically Dennis Kelly started a few games for us at left tackle and right tackle before. So whether he could do it all 16 remains to be seen, but I think that at right tackle is his more natural position. And I think that with us returning all these players, I don't, I don't see outside of really the second running back, the third down running back. I really don't see a huge glaring need that we have to spend a high draft pick on for offense, unless someone miraculously fell down the board, which can happen. I mean, I mean, lately the mocks have had some Justin Jefferson, Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs down there at 29. So, I mean, I don't think that's going to happen, but you never know. I mean, it's one of yeah. the things about the draft is apparently everybody's wrong according to everybody else. So this yeah. is going to be a wild draft. So I, I do, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I do think it's gonna be wide open um, as far as the draft goes, and I, I don't think anybody really knows a whole lot of anything at this point. Um, so I'm interested to see what happens, and I do think with visits, it's useful information because it kind of tells you a little bit about who they're interested in. Um, but they also do a pretty good job of keeping some of the visits quiet, um, and in fact, I think the last few first round picks they have not been linked to as far as a specific visit um, prior to the draft. So I, I think they're the Titans tend to be a little bit cloak and dagger about some of this stuff. So I wouldn't be surprised if the guy that they take it 
29 or whatever, wherever they pick first uh, isn't on the list that we currently well, have. Well, that's that's going to be bad because if that's the case, we're going to be missing out on a couple of uh, cornerbacks and uh, some yeah. really good cornerbacks and defensive linemen because um, there's a lot of first-round talent that they've been interviewing at those positions on the virtual interviews. Uh, I thought the top 30 visits were pretty interesting, especially because Josh Jones was up there. And he was a guy earlier in the year before the whole, I've kind of shifted away from offensive tackle that I thought he was a guy that they would really like and outside zone and stuff. Uh, the combine interviews are combine interviews, but a bunch of running backs there. It's, it's pretty much the position's, they're they're not wasting time with positions that they don't need unless it's someone that it is possibly going to be an undrafted free agent or something like that. I thought it was I thought it was Sam Sloman, a kicker that uh, um, was a virtual interview. He was actually pretty good and didn't miss an extra point last year. And he was uh, seven of eight of fifty plus yards with a long of fifty three. So I don't know. I mean. I don't think we'll be drafting a kicker, but I think that kicker is uh, going to be on there. Um, Mike, let's. Talk. I can see a seven, seven, one of those seven yeah. rounders being a kicker. I'm, I'm a little upset that the mock drafts don't allow me to get Sam Sloman. There, he's not on any of the mock drafts, and I cannot draft him at, at the last uh, seventh round pick that we have. Um, okay, real quick, I just want to talk about if if we don't get kicked off Zoom here, uh, inside linebackers. I think that inside linebacker is a need. You disagree. Uh, Now, the reason I think that inside linebacker is important is because I feel like we're lacking a little bit of depth there. And we we have four inside linebackers. Nick DeZunbar is really placing uh, DJ Hoopooted. So we don't have Wesley Woodyard. Now, I'm not saying to spend a really high pick or anything, but I'm thinking there are some good sixth or seventh inside linebacker uh, prospects out there. What do you think about the inside linebacker prospects? Have you done any kind of research, or do you think that we are not doing inside linebacker? Can you hear me? Mike. Hey, yeah, sorry. Uh, (laughs) That's a question to you. (laughs) <laughs> yeah so uh yeah I, I do think there's some sort of need there um but i don't know how it, critical it is i do think dave long's pretty good um and yeah you're probably going to carry five so they probably need one more in there um but i don't know I, I don't know that i'd put a huge priority on it i think it it's kind of a day three thing. Um, yeah. And I definitely think that unless something crazy happens and, you know, you know, cause Jayon Brown is on a contract year, but I really think that you're looking at a day three kind of prospect. Yeah, and I think, I think Jayon is a likely extension um, candidate before the season. Like, you know, they always try to do the extension before training camp and stuff like that. And I think he's, he and Johnu are kind of the prime candidates for that this year. And and I really think it's just someone that can take over and spell Rashawn Evans, uh, a, a thumper. I don't think it's someone that's necessarily a, a cover linebacker or anything. I think it's someone that can contribute on special teams while being uh, a backup on um, – because, I mean, we, we were very – we got – 
kind of iffy at that linebacker spot uh, last year. And not to say that you need to worry about injuries again, but I think that there's some late round uh, guys like, you know, Shaq Quarterman, Michael Walker, TJ Brunson, and Jordan Mack, even Daniel Batuli, that are people that can fill into a a, a role if if called upon. Kind of like how David Long was, and David Long was a fifth, sixth round pick, right? Six? Yeah, six. Yeah. So that's six, what yeah. I'm kind of thinking. Another sixth round gem from, or will technically be top of the seventh round unless we trade some of those picks up. Um, but I, I, it's where I'm thinking for the linebacker position. Uh, do you, I know I kind of put you on the spot, any linebackers that you've heard of, looked at, or anything that you are kind of keen on? I like, I like Quarterman. I kind of like, um, uh, Casey Tuhill uh, from Stanford. I don't, he's kind of a tweener outside linebacker type. So I don't know how much he'll, he would play outside or off the ball um david woodward um from utah state another one um there's some good players in this group i think troy die from oregon you know there, there's some guys that might fall um out of the kind of mid-round but it's hard for me to get a real good pulse on this inside linebacker class because you got guys like jordan brooks that people were talking about as like a third, fourth round guy that now are suddenly getting rumored in the first round. Um, so there's just, it seems like projections are all over the place particularly yeah. this year. So um, it's hard to know who's going to be around uh, late, but I do think there's some good players in this class at that position that, that would be interesting on day three. I, I like Shaq Quarterman a lot. Um, and I think that, He's one of those guys that could be a J-Rob guy. For some reason, I'm not understanding his sixth or seventh round grade. I don't know if it's just his his lack of a perceived athleticism at the combine or whatever. But, I mean, we're talking about a productive four-year starter and a two-time team captain. And he's one of those guys that basically he plays with a sense of urgency Kind of that kind of reminds me of Rashawn Evans. I think Rashawn Evans is, of course, a little bit better or a way better athlete, pure athlete. But we're talking about a guy that knows about his blocks, knows how to handle it with leverage in his hands, and I mean he's a he's good at blitzing from the middle. I think if you're looking for someone that doesn't have to cover anybody but that can shed blocks and try to get after the quarterback, that's a guy. And I feel like he's going to have a big chip on his shoulder. And I feel like sometimes those kinds of players uh, work really well with Vrabel in them because they come in ready to learn and will soak up anything that's going to make them better. And it's kind of the same with TJ Brunson and Jordan Mack. But I want to talk about a little bit about uh, Michael Walker. Um who is out of Fresno State, I think that he's a guy um, that is going to be really, really a, a steal for someone. Um, I know that the the strength of this whole class is really day three, day four guys. I mean, there, it's a you got your elite three or four, but then the rest of them are all going to be day three, day four. It's going to be like linebacker day on Saturday. Um I, I like Michael Walker's football IQ. 
I think that uh, he's got a really good first step, and he is just ex- he's very quick. And he's and one of the big things that you'll hear that we know that we value is versatility. And I think mm-hmm. he's very versatile in in that regard. Yeah, I I'm big on uh, big on Corbin, like you said. The I don't understand why he's not a bigger prospect. I know he was a really highly touted recruit coming out, um, and usually those guys, even if they even show any semblance of ability at the college level, tend to go through and get picked pretty early. Um, and for whatever reason, he has not been that. And, and his testing, actually, I didn't think was bad uh, as far as uh, the combine goes. So I'm kind of shocked that he's not a uh, higher-rated guy. I, I, I would definitely be down for him late. I, I, I don't know a ton about Michael Walter, um, but, yeah, Quarterman's a guy that I'm definitely in on. Yeah, uh, I thought Malik Harrison could be pretty interesting, though Ohio State ties. But Michael Walker is um, had an RAS of 8.17. So he's got that athleticism that you're looking for. Um, Shaq actually put up a 4.79 RAS. So that's not good. I think it's his height and weight is uh, because he's six feet and uh, about 234 pounds. So I think that kind of his size grades poor. Uh, He did a 31 vertical jump and a uh, and a 4.74 40 yard dash. So not too bad. So I think that's what kind of put him down is really his size. But I think that when you look at, you know, Miami used to be linebacker you right. But I, I think when you look at production and what you see, you got four years of tape, so you know that you're getting someone that can produce. It doesn't re- the combine stuff on that. That's where you got to, you know, take into account film and combine. And right here, the combine doesn't. He's one of those players. Many players at the combine does not match what you see on the field. Yeah, and and two guys that I think probably end up going day two, but could fall into day three that I'd have some interest in. Um, Justin Sternad from Wake Forest, uh, super productive guy that was there, um, kind of defensive leader, um, there. And then Logan Wilson from Wyoming or Wyoming. Um, he's a guy that was a three-year captain. I don't, I don't remember ever seeing that before. Uh, it's really rare for a sophomore to become a, a team captain, but he's a guy that, uh, was hyper productive for, his entire career there um, and obviously a good leader. Um, So he would be a guy that if he does drop down, he's an older prospect, which makes it um, possible that he could fall, but he did test pretty well at the combine. So my guess is he ends up going uh, on day two, but if he does drop for whatever reason, he'd be a guy I'd have a a lot of interest in on day three. It's something I want to just hit on right before we go. Uh, Thanks for being patient. We are recording very early in the morning, so we're a little <laughs> off our game. We'll try to be better uh, next time. But uh, undrafted free agent class seems like it's going to be pretty important this year for most teams because it feels like there's a lack of uncertainty among a bunch of these prospects or a bunch of who's going to go and who's not. But it's a entirely top to bottom, a really deep class on about – I'd say about 75 to 80% of the, the positions out there. Um, 
so we know that he that uh, J Rob thrives in the undrafted free agent. Do you think that we'll probably see the best undrafted free agent class under J Rob this year, or do you think that um, it it will be probably just you know kind of like what it's always been, just two or three uh, players? I think it's going to be interesting. I think the roster lends itself to having a lot of undrafted guys because they're, unless they trade back multiple times and pick up a bunch of additional draft picks, it's going to be hard for them to fill all their needs in the draft with just the seven picks that they've got. So um, I think they're going to have to have a good undrafted class. Um, and I think there's a lot of, you know, it's kind of a uh, catch 22, right? So like, having a lot of need for undrafted players also increases the odds that you're going to get more undrafted players because agents know, uh, you know, which teams they might have a shot to actually make the roster on. Um, and I think the Titans are going to be one of those teams this year. So um, I think they will have a lot of, they will be very attractive to under undrafted free agents. Um, the question is, because of the coronavirus stuff, because there's not going to be rookie minicamp, there's not going to be OTAs, probably, we're probably going to go straight into training camp. How do they get the UDFAs sorted and how do they figure out which guys actually need reps? Because by the time you hit training camp, a lot of times they've already thinned that herd a little bit and at least already know which guys they feel like can make the team and are starting to get those guys reps with the twos and threes. And there's guys, I mean, a 90 man roster is a lot to carry um, through training camp and it makes it hard to get everybody reps. Um, so I, I guess I'm interested to see how all that works out. Cause I feel like some, I, I read uh, just this weekend that uh, I can't remember, I think it's the Vikings maybe said that they were probably only going to take like maybe a handful of undrafted just because they're not going to be able to, they, they can't give time to them and they're not going to be able to see them play until training camp. And at that point it's, it's kind of past the point where you're really evaluating those guys. Now you're trying to figure out like, can they make a team? Oh, so, wow. uh, I didn't even I think about that. Interesting situation. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, it, it's a, a really, really weird offense or uh, off season so far. And, you know, we'll see. I mean, it's just crazy. It, you know, you know, you got all these players that are really needing that UDFA time, but they also need are needing, you know, experience and learning the playbook and all this stuff. Cause I mean, what, I don't know what virtual workouts, it's a little bit different to watch something, you know, someone explain something on zoom and then put it in the action on the field. Uh, so it'll be real interesting. I think it's very important above all else to get, multi-year starters in the draft with proven track records more so than that flash in a pan or something especially where we're drafting anyway but i think it's super important just because they know the work they put in the work already and it probably will be less time because they're used to a certain regimen of trying to train and read playbooks and stuff like that if you're getting like i don't want to bring up his name but it, you know kevin dot a flash in a pan you know that's a high risk of a bust because there's just not enough to go around as far as uh, training camp, OTAs, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, no, I, I agree. I think 
this this offseason is very strange, obviously, and I think it is going to kind of separate the teams um, that really can get creative and figure out a way to work around some of these obstacles. Um, it's going to give advantage to teams that have uh, a lot of returning talent, which I think is good for the Titans, um, a lot of returning coaching staffs, um, which I think is good for the Titans. Uh, and then I don't know how many – how much the rookie class is going to be able to contribute early on. I, I think for that reason, I think it's highly unlikely that you're going to get a right tackle that's displacing Dennis Kelly uh, week one. I, I think that's virtually impossible no matter who you take or where you take them. Um, but you do kind of have to find a corner, right? You, you've got to find a corner that can start right away. So you got to find whoever you kind of feel is the most plug and play option there. Um, I feel like is critical and that's why I kind of keep putting an emphasis on that position. Um, but I don't know. It, it's going to be an interesting year. Um, it's definitely going to be different. Um, I'm interested to see how it all plays out because I think we're all kind of guessing um, right now as far as, you know, what is it, what does it look like when football doesn't really have an off season? Uh, because that's what this is. All right, so uh, that's it for today. It went a little long. We we always go long. We just can't help it. Yeah. Um, we like to give you extra. Yeah. So tomorrow, it's going to be wide receivers, running backs. Wednesday, we're going to talk about offensive line and QBs. And then Thursday, we're going to talk about defensive lines and cornerbacks and have our positions. Now, tonight at 6.30 p.m., if I can get this audio working uh, correctly, we should have a live audio draft uh, or mic, uh, live mock draft with uh, Justin Mello in that. Worst comes to worst, you'll just see my face or Lebowski's face, and you'll just have to hear the other people's voices. But we are going to do a live mock draft. We're talking draft philosophies and everything with Austin Stanley tomorrow and Charles Barnes on Wednesday. It's going to be an interesting week. I feel like we're trying to bring you as much content as possible because uh, we have been a little absent, and usually the draft is where you get some of the best content that we I feel that we offer. So for Mike Miracles at Mike Miracles, you can follow. That's his Twitter handle. You can follow me on at F Words Pod. I'm Zach Lyons, and you have just been effed.